Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Until 11 o'clock today, White Sox baseball coming your way at 12.30 with the pregame first pitch at 1.10. Just had a little visit from the uh, Silverman clan here, Bri. Yeah, Sylvie brought in uh, Mason and Braxton to the studio. Looking sharp in their Sylvie Strong t-shirts. And uh, Mark is going to be a speaker at the Cancer Survivor Walk mm-hmm. in Grand Park this today, morning. Yep. And so it's great. I mean, it's obviously, it's great that he beat cancer and that he's still giving back and being a part of a uh, wonderful event here in the great city of Chicago on a Sunday morning. And Braxton told us when he walked into the studio, he wanted he wanted to see Waddle, and I said, we all do. Yeah. I said, let's give him a call and see if he'll come down on <laughs> Sunday morning. But uh, it was a short break, so we didn't have the chance yeah. to make the phone call to Waddle. But uh, I'll text him and see if he'll, he'll meet us down here. And I've got Sylvie's sons doing an afternoon drive in about 10 years, so... I think you're pushing Sylvie out sooner than he wants. <laughs> well, I'm, he's, I'm, not, he's not here. He can't I'm, I'm sure Waddle will gladly sign up for that. Yeah. Uh, it'll have to be Sylvie, Sylvie and Sons, uh, two to six here on ESPN 1000. All right. So we got word on Friday that the Bears had a meeting with the city of Naperville, Bry. This was an interesting development because for those who may have forgotten, Back on March 28th at the NFL owners meeting, Bears team president Kevin Warner talked about how Arlington Heights was their sole focus. I mean, now our focus remains, you know, in Arlington uh, Park. Uh, it has to be. I mean, we, 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 uh, uh, we purchased the land. Um, and that's one of the things I'm looking forward to, uh, to go to work, uh, you know, on that. But uh, that was a big step. I mean, it was. It was. Uh, I think it's, it's showed our commitment uh, to, uh, to to doing the right thing, especially solving a stadium solution. So, uh, it was the same way during our press conference to say remain focused on on to work things out with uh, Arlington Park. Before you guys remember, so the the big step, of course, being that the Bears purchased the Arlington Heights, the Arlington Park site for one hundred ninety seven point two million dollars. Yeah, um, and so Friday, the the headline on on the Sun Times story and the Tribune obviously covered it. And it was obviously a surprising story. Naperville Bears question mark team exploring move to the western suburb, fearing potential Arlington Heights Stadium is quote unquote at risk. And you just heard the the president of the club saying the sole focus is that uh, basically was saying we're not going back to Soldier Field, and and there's no reason to keep having those conversations. New mayor or not, they're moving on. But this is, I mean, uh, uh, anyone's been covering stadium issues. Remember when Mike, Michael McCaskey, when he was running the Bears, mm-hmm. and he, was, he invited the, the photographers from the newspapers to join him in Gary, mm-hmm. uh, checking out sites in Gary, Indiana. It's, it, when things aren't going your way or you don't believe they're moving in the right direction or nearly as quickly as you'd hope they would in terms of getting financial assistance from the state, the city, whichever government entity you're, you're trying to woo, you start... Tom Ricketts played footsie with Rosemont, right? Mm-hmm. They were going to build a, a, a replica of Wrigley Field out there. And, and you know, Rosemont obviously has an arena out there, and they, it's been doing well forever. So it won't be for lack of suitors. But are you really – does anyone believe that they're going to Naperville or any, and opening the door to any other suburb 
or Gary, Indiana, or whomever at this point, given what they've already done with purchasing the land and, and beginning to tear down Arlington uh, racetrack. And so the reason you know that this is absolutely a leverage play is the, the Bears commented on the meeting between Kevin War, Warren and Naperville Mayor Scott Worley. The Bears communication had this statement, quote, we will continue the ongoing demolition activity and work toward a path forward in Arlington Heights, but it is no longer our singular focus. It is our responsibility to listen to other municipalities in Chicagoland about potential locations that can deliver on this transformational opportunity for our fans, our club, and the state of Illinois. So they commented on this public meeting, and I, I agree with you. It's absolutely the Bears not liking what they're hearing from Arlington Heights and trying to apply some pressure and show, and now this is how credible is it, right? That's the real question. They're trying to show that there are other other cities, other towns that might be more than willing to give the Bears what, they're listen, what they want. Which is, quote-unquote, property tax certainty is necessary for the Arlington Park project to move forward and that means we want to pay as little on property taxes as possible. And not only that, they want to freeze their property tax rate, which they hope to be a very favorable rate. I mean, anyone who owns a home in the city or the suburbs or in the state of Illinois would love property tax certainty. You know what the certainty of property taxes in Illinois is? It's going up every yeah. year uh-huh. because we have a pension uh, problem that the math doesn't work and so it's coming out that we generate money through property taxes yes so the only certainty is that you and me and the small business guy are going to pay more taxes each and every year it's just a matter of how much yes and all these studies and research that teams usually do and you know companies do for them and, and get a nice check that tell you how much revenue the said stadium is going to generate for the ensuing you know the, the surrounding communities all the and, jobs they'll generate by building, I mean, it's it's so overinflated. It never yeah. comes to fruition, and it's not just sports. I mean, whether Illinois gives then Sears a huge subsidy or brings Boeing in or whatever, they always tell you how much they the hundreds of millions of dollars they're showering with said company or said team is going to come back in, in in two three times in return, and it never happens. It's the selling the renovation of Soldier Field with. The, pro- the, the uh, hotel tax is going to pay for it. So you as a property tax owner or property owner won't pay any taxes. It's, it's tourists. People visiting sure. the city. that They're going to pay the 12, 15, 18% tax on the rooms. Yeah. So don't worry about it. We got this covered. We know you live here. You never need a hotel in downtown Chicago even if you because you and, live in and, the state And of even Illinois. if it's 95% tourists, which is probably true, that money could go to other things sure. in the city. It doesn't have to go to Soldier Field. And by the way, all these years later... All these tens of you know, decades later, there is still six hundred and fifty million, give or take, owed on the renovations from Soldier Field on those bonds, mm. because the bonds, the, the price, the interest rates have gone up. So now they can't cover that with the hotel tax, which, by the way, during the pandemic, nobody in the hotels, therefore yeah. no hotel taxes. So all the projections they tell you never come to fruition, and now the Bears—it's not their debt—and they're balking at the the one of the. Uh, Local state representatives said, okay, my bill will get the, the, uh, some money to the Chicago Bears. They like that part of it in property tax certainty. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to put a $3 surcharge on every ticket sold for Bears games to help pay off the debt at Soldier Field. And the Bears are like, why would we want our tickets to go up $3 when it's not our debt? It's the park district and city's debt. Yeah. 
even though, I mean, people don't see the difference there, but it, it technically it's true. It's not their debt. They, they, they're going to have to pay a, a penalty to walk away from Soldier Field if the stadium in Arlington or Naperville is uh, ready before their, their lease is up at Soldier Field. But have you ever tried to get to Naperville? Oh. And it's a lovely community. It, again, voted this year, I think, one of the top places to live in the country. But uh, there's a metro stop on the property at Arlington Park. On the property. So you, you have some public transportation. It's near a, a, a major intersection of, of interchange of expressways and mm-hmm. tollways. So I know that infrastructure has to be expanded and improved to, to um, you know, get 70,000 or more people in every Bears home, games, home game. But Naperville, they're not going to Naperville. So call their bluff. Let them, let them go through the public relations stuff. And they, 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 they wanted the story to get out. Oh, Absolutely, and they're they're already committed to they're two hundred million dollars in yeah to their to their Arlington Heights project. So what would what would Naperville have to do to make it lucrative enough for the Bears to take that hit? Right, You're, like I'm not you you may be able to save me. $300 million in whatever projections you want to create if you're Naperville. But if I'm the Bears, I also have to look at, I have to balance it out and say, okay, well, what you're promising me, is that enough to offset what I think I could be making in Arlington Heights? And again, I'm already committed now to buying this. What am I, what can I, there's no, you, Brian, you tell me what could possibly, what the Bears could, you know, what organization outside of an NFL team would be interested in that land if the Bears decided, okay, we want to go to Naperville, let's sell this off. They're going to take a loss yeah. if they end up having to sell yeah. that property because they're the entity that it appealed they're, they're to gonna, most. They're going to anchor a residential area. You know, they, they have an entertainment district planned and everything else, but it's all about the Bears being there, that Bears offices. Yes. I, again, I thought about this the other day, Friday, when the story broke. How close is Hal's Hall to... Arlington Park versus how close is Hallis Hall to Naperville? Naperville. I mean, it's a little thing, but it's a thing. Oh, yeah. Right? I, I mean, it just, there's a reason that Arlington Park makes so much sense to them. Look, Tom Ricketts wanted money from the state and the city when he was renovating Wrigleyville and buying up everything around Wrigley Field to generate more money for his family and the Chicago Cubs. And, and Crane Kenny is his MVP because of the money he generates as a business guy. And I know it was politics, but Rahm Emanuel, because they were so diametrically opposed politically, you know, Joe Ricketts, ultra-conservative, yep. Rahm Emanuel, Democrat, they weren't playing ball, cliche as that is. He said, you know, thanks, but no thanks, and yeah. by the way, the city can't afford it. Sure. The Jerry Reinsdorf and, and then Bill Wirtz and the Wirtz family built the United Center years ago, 1995, I want to say, basically it opened. And they did the entire stadium by themselves, private financing. Now, I do believe the state and the city helped with the, the surrounding infrastructure, with the streets and the you know, utilities, mm-hmm. and they got to break that way. And, but the, the White Sox sweetheart lease from Jim Thompson all those years ago when he was governor, that, that just doesn't happen anymore. Most, most states and cities don't have the money. Yes. We're bleeding in the state. You can't. Whatever, you know, the, the Bears envision getting state subsidies or local subsidies or pra- property tax freeze, what they, we'd all love to have a sweetheart deal and get that. But they, no one can afford it these days. And why should they 
get it anyway because they're worth $6 billion. And once that stadium's up and running, they might be worth 9 or $10 billion. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if, if you're looking, once they executed the purchase agreement back in February, right? Like, now you're talking Naperville would have to promise something at least. If I'm looking at it, I want something that's going to be a half a billion dollars more, you know, in value than because, again, I'm 200 million in and I have to offload that property because chances are the Bears are not going to be keeping that on the books if they're not building up a stadium. Right. I can't I can't imagine they're all of a sudden they're looking for a property tax freeze, uh, maybe up to 40 years freezing at a a percentage as we sit here in 2023. Well, of course, they would love that. But who wouldn't? I'd love you to freeze my property taxes for the next 40 years. And how much money is that actually going to be for for uh, a stadium that's going to cost two two point five billion dollars? <sighs> yeah, like that's the thing is it, it, think about how, you know, that is going to be one of the at least especially for Arlington Heights, one of the most profitable ge- revenue generators they will have as a community. So they don't want to freeze and, and that the property tax goes into the surrounding education system, the yeah. public school system out there. And that's who's going to get hurt the most if they freeze a tax for 40 years, then there's going to be less money to put into the public school system out there. So this is this is the Bears' play, right? Like, they don't like what they hear from Arlington Heights, so they're using Naperville as leverage. And, of course, the, the uh, new mayor in Naperville, Scott Worley, who, until Friday, I didn't know his name no. because I am not a resident of Naperville, sure. Brian, because he has just come into office here. You know, this is perfect for him because he gets his name out into the public domain, and all of a sudden people are aware of who the Naperville mayor is, even though ultimately he, he doesn't have to. This is just, hey, I'm courting the Bears. I'm going to see what I can do. There's I, really no downside for him. I, if, if you live in Naperville, again, voted one of the best places to live in a, a year in, year out for you know a better part of 10 years or so in the country. Do you really want a stadium being built in your community of 130,000 and all the traffic that goes with it? I mean, I, I may, the mayor may want that because, you know, he'll be sitting there in a suite watching the games every Bears home game. But I can't imagine there are a lot of people in Naperville that would want to be giving up tax revenue. And, and you, you know, it's the old not in my backyard, right? I'd, yeah. I'd want to go to a Bears game, but I'd rather have it built in your backyard, not and, my backyard. And uh, even though uh, Naperville Mayor Scott Worley's letter to Kevin Warren touted Naperville being accessible through major highways such as the east-west Interstate 88 and the north-south Interstate 355, as well as the downtown metro station, although some of these sites really aren't close to the metro station, so... Uh, you have to set up now some you, type of commuter system to get to yeah, these stadium sites. Yeah, all of a sudden, you're getting on a bus. Once you take the train, you're getting on a bus to go to the stadium and then reverse it going home. So you can, you know, tout all the possibilities of this site or future sites to be built up. But when you start looking at it practically, okay, a lot of work needs to be done where before you can even start to compare what the Bears are currently in on in Arlington Heights versus what could be in Naperville. So see it for what it is, just, you know, the Bears using what leverage they have, but you have to ask the question, what leverage is it really when you've kind of committed yourself to Arlington Heights? So 312-332-3776 if you want to chat about that. Also want to go on the field a little bit or at least an off-season training activity and some of the absences that were notable from this week. We'll do that right here on ESP 1000, Meller and Hanley till 11 o'clock. Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. 
Meyer on ESPN 1000. Lots to do here before we get out of here at 11 o'clock. Want to talk a little bit of Bears. Uh, sneak in some Shohei talk. He was in the city. Jed Hoyer weighed in on that. We've got some bulls we'd like to get after. So plenty to do here. Let's waste no more time. So Jalen Johnson was not at OTAs this past week yet again. He did join Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max earlier this week. He was asked how he's feeling heading into his contract year. Remember, his rookie deal will be up at the end of this season. Honestly, for me, it used to be a lot of pressure. I would even say for me going into my third year, I felt like that was a year for me to put myself out there to be able to have a new contract, to be able to re-up. I think for for me, it's just about going out and being who I am. And for me, I know I can be a dominant corner. I am a dominant corner in this league, following number one wide receivers and just finding ways to continue to do my job at a higher rate, continue to be a better teammate, continue to find ways to win. And I think at the end of the day, that's all I want to do. I haven't had a winning season since I've been on Chicago Bears yet. So, I mean, for me, I want to come in. I want to be a, a dominant guy in the league. I want to dominate on, on this defense, and I want to come in and win games and change that change that narrative. And like you said earlier, well, I mean, we come, winning comes paychecks. And I think at the end of the day, we need. I need to focus on winning, and I'm, that's that's what I'm worried about going into year four. So that was Jalen Johnson, who was not in attendance at Bears OTAs this past week. Yeah, and, and look, he sound. He didn't sound like uh, Roquan Smith. He didn't write a letter and calling out people and saying the owners got to get involved and, and and charging the team with bad faith negotiations. He he said, if you take him as word, with winning the money will come and I'll I'll be good. Fact of the matter is though, is one of your best players on the team. You would hope that he would be there, even though they're, they're OTAs, they're optional. And I'll point out, though, Roquan Smith did attend the OTAs yeah. last season. His issues didn't come until training right. camp, and he, they actually wanted him to get out, into, out onto the field, and he was going to be fined. And remember, they create, like it was a, a situation where I had never actually seen it before, where he was there, but he was not taking, taking right. uh, he they was not get in any activities. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, Jalen, apparently, according to Matt, Matt Eberflus, is on Zoom meetings with the, the with the defense and his unit. He's watching film on his own. But as he said, it's invaluable to be actually in the facility, whether they're OTAs or not. You you know, the idea that everyone should be in this together and everyone should be present when possible. And But, I mean, it doesn't... I, he sounds sincere when he doesn't sound like it's a, a money issue, but ultimately you follow the money. Right? The one thing I'll say is this is, I look at this, this is similar, though, to what the Bears are doing with Naperville. They're trying to make a leverage play, but I look at it, and unfortunately for Jalen Johnson, there's not a whole lot of leverage for him to use, no. right? This is, okay, fine, I'm not going to show up to these voluntary OTAs, but... You're under contract for next year, and if you don't show up to training camp, they're going to hit you with fines right. that are going to be extremely punitive. And oh, by the way, the Bears do have the option to franchise tag him next season. It'll be it's projected to be roughly a little bit over twenty million dollars per season for a cornerback if they use the franchise tag on him next season. So, my question too is like he he calls himself a dominant cornerback who follows around the number one wide receivers like you can follow the number one wide receiver all you want if aj brown's still cracking 100 yards when you're the well, one following him not, i don't know not only that who's who's your second choice to follow the number exactly one? so you, you know you, you need to be a, as you saying a dominant corner right i mean you can't argue on this team he's a don he is the guy but that doesn't mean when you look is he worth 20 million dollars and and if they per season i don't think they're going to tag him at 20 million but he i i know players get upset because it's not security it's a one-year paycheck and it looks great but you can get hurt and then there's no other paychecks coming after that but 
you can make ends meet on twenty million bucks. Sure. Yeah. And again, though, and I don't know if Ryan Poles evaluates Jalen Johnson as somebody he wants to spend twenty million dollars a season on. But that's probably where the disconnect might be right now. Yep. Is how you value yourself versus how the organization values him. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward how this plays out. We'll see if he is in attendance at the Bears' next OTA, which he said he would be. Yep. So we'll see how that plays out and if we can actually, as you said, take him at his word going forward here. 312-332-3776. Bear fan Bob wanted to chime in on the Bears' Naperville idea. What's going on, Bobby? Good morning, guys. How are you? Hey, Robert. So... Did anybody ever consider that this should have been thought about before they made the purchase of Harlington? And, oh, by the way, since I'm a season ticket holder, do I get to negotiate my terms uh, for my season tickets because the teams have been so bad for all these years? Just saying and just thinking. You know, I mean, if they get to renegotiate a deal, why can't I? Fair enough, don't you think? It's an astute point, Bob, about the idea of, hey, did they do the re- enough research beforehand? It's a fair question, that, right? And, and you're you're up there, right. you're up there behind the uh, cheddar curtain. And uh, I was saying to to Jeff during the break, it's Rob Manfred showing up in Milwaukee and and saying, well, you better come up. The state better come up with four hundred four hundred fifty million dollars to renovate the Brewer Stadium, which isn't all that old, and everyone believes it's a pretty nice right. stadium. And it sounds like the state's going to go ahead and try to do whatever they can and get to close to that number. But you have the commissioner come in. It's the old playbook. Oh, it's not us. It's Major League Baseball demanding we upgrade the facilities. So he comes in and, and plays the bad guy and catches all the slings right. and arrows. But I don't have the Bears explained what the PSL policy like. If you yeah. own PSLs at Soldier Field, oh, I'll tell a, you what the policy is. It's your SOL. Yeah, yeah PSL lose, SOL. Yeah, I, I, because it. it, it's going to go up for uh-huh. sure, right? I mean, you would think at that that's a contract that you you it's bought a into. Completely di- yeah, oh, it's a completely different facility. They will, you know what they'll be doing, Bob. I'm sure you'll probably agree with me, Bob. They the Bears will be creating new PSLs in the Arlington Heights sure. project if assuming of that's course. where they end up building. Of course, and what what really kind of throws me a curb is like the Bears had a god-given gift of a lifetime with Arlington Heights. You couldn't ask for a better place and a better deal to get out of Chicago. I mean, with all the mess down there, what a terrific place. And now we're pulling this because we can't afford $95 million. Let's face it, that's a salary of one player. Are you kidding me? Pay your bill, shut up, build the place, and get it over with. Well, let's. let's Never- oh, sorry, Bob, hey. I clipped you there. Um, let's hope, though, that. Let's hope that Arlington Heights doesn't cave, right? That's the truth of the matter because. I don't think the Bears really want to go anywhere else. I, I, I don't think they're going anywhere else. They're just going to extract whatever they can extract. And if they get something, they'll, they'll be happy. But if they get everything, they'll be much happier. Interesting. Interesting times for the Bears. And uh, we are the brand new home of the Chicago Bears. So uh, we will be obviously watching very closely how this unfolds. I just banged my finger on the, on the counter here. And you have yourself a, a, a finger issue. I, that you're dealing with. Anyone who's grown up in Chicago, and I have a little splint on my, if you're watching Twitch, it's... Only, <laughs> if you're watching Twitch, Brian is giving you the middle finger. Yeah, it's my road, road rage finger. I, I'm not that guy. Um, but, you know, anyone who grows up in Chicago and plays 16-inch softball, you have a couple mangled <laughs> fingers to show for it, right? Um, Certainly. And, and you just, you know... You, it's a rite of passage Yeah, in right. I mean, you try to, hopefully you have, most of them are okay, but you have one or two. So... Someone asked me whenever they see the splint on there with the, the tape, you know, like, what did you do to your finger? I got to come up with a better story because I actually, I actually snapped my finger making a bed. 
and heard it snap. Making the bed. Making the bed. I mean, when you initially said that, I didn't even register because I thought you said making a bet. No. You, you said making a bed with a D. And I, my mind just said, that doesn't make sense. He must have said making a bet. Like yeah, he, he, and, and you could make a bet that you could go through your life without I, injuring your finger making a bed. I thought the folks at, uh, at the Mirage were taking you in back because yeah. you, weren't, you were either <laughs> caught, you were caught ca- card counting yeah. or... I got a guy and I'm a little behind on, yeah. uh, on, uh, on the payment, so they just went for the, one finger. The um, classic scene in Casino. Yeah. But I it just, so I'm like, I'm the only dope in the world who ever snapped a finger. And, and it's not broken, it's sprained. It didn't even hurt. But the, the tip of the finger just was dangling down. After I heard an audible snap, I'm like, ooh, ooh. that can't be good. And I, I couldn't, I could lift my, the tip of my finger by using another finger. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I call my doctor and I, I'm at a place waiting to get an x-ray. And he calls back and he said, you're not going to believe this. I did the exact same thing. I'm like. Make it a bet? He goes, yeah. I'm like, okay, there's two of us who are dopes. But I, I got to come up with a better story than that because someone asked me the other day, what happened to your finger? And I'm like, okay, softball I, injury? Do I just go to the fault so I don't sound like a- I, th- I think we stumbled into it. I think you say you were, you were, caught, you were caught making a bet and you were <laughs> illegally card counting and uh, they wanted to send a message. I, I just, it, it made me think of what are the kind of the weirdest, strangest uh, injuries you've ever sustained that weren't sports related and you've, you've, you're, you're embarrassed to even have to explain it to people i have and and you know i, I saw a thing on twitter yesterday mm-hmm. it's a it's a piece of plastic it's like a big shoehorn yeah to make the bed oh i think you got to buy one i almost bought it just because yes. yesterday i mean it just it's a, a piece of plastic you probably find something around the house would be just as good and here's a person making the the king size bed with the fitted sheets and just working around so their fingers don't snap not yeah not snapping tendons in the middle finger um i have a dumb injury that I will share with you next. And also, we do want to talk a little bit about, we got some some Bulls options. What should they be doing in the future here? And uh, maybe if we have time, we'll get into a little bit of Shohei Otani's free agency. Jed Hoyer had a thought on that with Waddle and Sub. We'll share that too. Lots to do here in the next half hour before we get out of here. White Sox baseball pregame coverage coming your way at 1230. I'm Jeff Meller. He's Brian Hanley, ESPN 1000. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Miller and Hanley, it's 11 o'clock. All right, before we get into a little bit of Shohei Otani talk, Jed Hoyer discussing just what he's doing in baseball these days, and we saw it firsthand here in our city as he homered three times against the White Sox uh, this uh, earlier in the week here. I will share with you my dumb injury, Brian. Uh, my buddy, it was his bachelor party weekend. We started things off with a, a tailgate at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field. And what we do, we were uh, cooking up some carne asada on Ooh, the grill. Sounds good. And we were, you know, the uh, flank steak and throwing it on the grill. And I was manning the grill. Uh-oh. And I was, at, you know, carne asada, adding a little bit of flavor. It was marinated meat. But as I was grilling and turning the meat, I was uh, adding some lime and squeezing it over the flank steak. And no, never thought I even had a few bears throughout the uh, tailgate party before we went 
into the stadium to watch the White Sox. Don't even remember who they were playing that day because, again, it was a bachelor party festivity. So <laughs> obviously, lots was forgotten throughout the day. But so we we ate lots of uh, street tacos and carne asada throughout the our tailgate. That's a great tailgate, by the way. It was good. Like, like listen, it was like I said, it was his bachelor party weekend. So we uh, had, we had did it up a little bit and. Meat was great. Everything loved it. Had a great time at the game. Again, can't tell you who won. Don't know what happened yeah. in the game, but yeah. it was a good time. But what I do remember was throughout the game, it was very hot. It was like you know one of those hot as uh, midsummer uh, days. It was it was probably a June or July. Can't tell you when, but it was it was a hot day. Humid, uh, or very, just, yeah, hot, sweaty, humid. Probably well into the nineties, and we were out in the bleachers having a great game, having a great day. And the reason it's a dumb injury was because that was on a Saturday. On Sunday, after, after all the festivities, whatever, proceeded into the night, woke up probably, it was probably, you know, I was in my mid-20s, so it was sure. probably Sunday afternoon when I woke up. Woke up, and I was like, boy, that was a, that was a, that was a t- rough night. Feeling uh, not great, dehydrated, and... You know, my, my my left hand was really sore. I was like, why is my, my hand so sore? It, it progressively got more and more sore throughout the day. And then I woke up Monday morning. I had to. T- I remember having to take ibuprofen to go to bed because my, my hand was just very, very sore. And I didn't quite know why. So I woke up Monday morning. And actually, Waddle and Sylvie had a live broadcast in Wrigley Field. My, and I was out on site with them. And all of a sudden, and this was back when they were on in the, you know, the 10 to noon slot. Right. And as the, you were actually probably out at another bar. Um, yeah. <laughs> doing a live event. It wasn't 10 to noon. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. We might have been 9 to noon. Yeah. You, anyway. Um, so I was, all of a sudden, this, this, my hand, I'm like, God, it's really starting to get sore. And then I start to look down and throughout the show, I start to see my hand bubble up. Oof. And like get like a giant almost like blister, and by the end of the show, it was like it was like I like my entire hand was it, was it looked like it had been put in a balloon like like you know like a, just a hermetically sealed balloon or something where it was like just starting to expand. I had to go to the emergency room, and what and the doctor was like, "What's going on here?" I was like, "I have no idea." Well. Didn't quite understand what was going on. We come to the realization, actually had left the emergency room. I don't even remember specifically, because this is years ago, but I, I don't remember what exactly happened. But finally came to the, the hypothesis that what had probably had happened was when I was cooking up the carne asada with the lime juice, I had, I had basically put a bunch of acid Ooh. on my left hand, squeezing the lime, cooking up the carne asada, had sat in the sun all day. And, and it basically cooked my no. I basically cooked my hand, oh my. but it wasn't like an immediate response, and that's why it was all sore on Sunday. And then eventually, like it was like a burn. I had burned my hand from cooking up carne asada, but it took almost forty eight hours for my hand to finally like fully expand, and it was just. An insanely dumb injury. Two questions. How did they treat that? And have you ever had carne asada tacos since? I have never tailgated with them. I'll tell you that. And and. And honestly, I, I like I don't remember if it was a cream or they completely wrapped it up. Ugh. And I just don't even remember the specifics of it. But all, all we 
came to the conclusion was you have a burn and we didn't know why from citrus from lime yes and and like eventually i actually left the emergency room and then finally like after like trying to recount my steps like figured out that's what i did i had squeezed a lime and not just squeezed but because we were in the parking lot of guaranteed rate field i actually hadn't had a chance to like rinse off my hands right and then but i probably wiped my hands off with a napkin and then went into the to the bleachers and, and basically just sat in the sun and cooked my hand for hours. Did you? Would you serve that at internal temperature of one sixty five? It do you was do yeah. The, that's certainly my dumbest injury, and that wow. one I, that one I think trumps your uh, your your bed making. Yeah, I mean, but you're doing it. Yeah, I mean that that you know you're going upscale on the on the <laughs> on the tailgate and everything. You didn't just throw ballpark franks on the grill and call it a day. And wow, that is bizarre. Yes, it absolutely, yeah. And like I said, I had stumped the doctor. And then, the, like I said, that was the only thing we could actually come to a conclusion on that probably made sense. Yeah, I did, I'd stay away from, do you, do you grill so, on a regular now? I do, I do. I just wash my hands now, okay. like immediately. Yeah. And, do, and I don't go bake myself in the sun anymore. <laughs> That's what I try and do. Um, all right, so Shohei Otani put on a show at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field. And honestly, we were just we were talking about, we look up at the Sports Center, and again, he did something last night. I don't, what did, he, did he homer again last night? Did he one hit shy of the cycle? I, I don't know. They're showing you all of these things, and they all start to blend together of what he's actually doing. Every time he goes out and does something on the baseball field, it seems like it's the first time since Babe Ruth, or even it's the first time it's ever been done in baseball history. So Jed Hoyer, who we've played a little bit of sound from him. He didn't knock out a home plate umpire with a fastball did he that's true he has not done that yeah. that happened yesterday in the white Sox game which was also a first yeah. mr cisnero has that uh, accomplishment now it was not shohei otani who did it so waddle tried to get jed hoyer t- to comment on otani as a free agent next season i think he, he painted it as what if this hypothetical generational talent is available next season how interested would you be and Jed, of course, couldn't really comment on it, but he couldn't help but rave about Shohei Otani. I will say, yeah, I look, you know, listen, it's, um, it, 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 there's nothing like it. You know, like we're not going to, you know, we've never seen this in our lifetime, certainly. I mean, people talk about a generational talent, but it's actually far more than that. We haven't seen this since really, since Babe Ruth, and uh, what he's doing is really special. And, you know, I look forward, I'll be out there next week. I look forward to, to watching it in person. Um, you know, it's really, uh, it, it is something that, you know, I, I, I hope people cherish what, what he's doing. And I hope more people do it in the future. Like, there'd be nothing better than this spawning something new, right? Like, I don't see any reason why other people can't do maybe even a lesser version of this in, in the future, you know, close in DH or do something else. But, like, I hope he you know, changes our, our, our sport in that way. It'd be wonderful if guys, if, if guys could, could do both. You know, we were, we were talking about this in, in the not-too-distant you know, past about just, like, you know, when I was a kid, you had Brian Jordan and you know, Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson, and you know he started doing the baseball version of that. It'd be great if if more athletes could could be able to do that again. Now, will they go ahead, Brian? Do you think Jed was out in the bleachers uh, after having carne asada tacos and, and taken in? I mean, I don't think he would show up at the press box as a scout or sit in the seats as a scout and scouting Shohei Otani. I'm sure the Cubs had somebody there. Well, we know Theo's been known to. To yeah. make his way into the bleachers the every now and then, yeah. or something. Yeah, I just wonder if Jed was sitting there, you know, with his sunglasses and and sneak mustache the, and beard, sneaking to the rate. Yeah, trying to take notes on Shohei, but yeah, he's going to see him on the West Coast. That's great. But hey, just get your checkbook ready. And and even then, you ask the question. Even then, you would think any player of that 
caliber would love to come and be, you know, like Marcus Stroman sings the praises of being in, mm-hmm. you know, in front of 35,000, even when the Cubs stink, um, you know, showing up and playing at Wrigley Field. But Shoei has said the money is going to be the money, and that's certainly a huge part of it. But I want to know that we're going to win, and you're going to have to be either a winning team or prepared to win. And when he becomes a free agent, are the Cubs anywhere close to being a team that can to win it all, not just win a division? Yeah, they might get the easiest out because it may. It sounds like everything you read that Shohei kind of he likes being on the West Coast, yeah. and so everything points to the Los Angeles Dodgers being the real team that'll be in competition with the Angels because, of course, they sh- share the city. And if not them, maybe San Diego, maybe the Padres can break the bank for him because they seem to have a, a an, an unlimited amount of resources to spend on players. So the the Cubs might be given an easy out in that they're not on the West Coast and so they don't have any chance. But you're right. Like, no matter what, the starting point is going to be a half a billion dollar contract yeah. mm-hmm. for Shohei Otani. Does it get to $600 million? I don't know. But ultimately, th- th- will that really move him? No, I think he, he, he's spent enough time languishing with the Angels where he probably is going to be like, it's all about showing me that we can win. And you saw it in the World Baseball Classic. Just give him an opportunity to shine on the biggest stage. Well, that's the thing. I mean, ba- Major League Baseball, and we know Shohei loves the West Coast and, and all that. Major League Baseball would love to see him, if not Wrigley Field or Southside, but we know the White Sox don't do $100 million no, contracts, really. let alone $600 million. Um, <laughs> you know, get the star of stars on the East Coast so it, he's on prime time. So that 70, you just said, what did he do last night? Did he hit a home run? Did he strike? It's West Coast Baseball yeah. and night games. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And, and, and Major League lost. Baseball would love to have him actually in, in front of eyes in TV uh, cameras and national TV cameras. And where the the world is watching in real time or knows instead of sleeping while he's out doing what he does. No, it's it's a great point. Yeah, what did I do? I went to sleep last night. Yeah, uh, Shohei Otani had four hits. Yeah, he had an RBI triple in the third, an RBI double as part of the four run seventh. He also scored on a wild pitch in the ninth. That seemed to be the theme of yesterday's uh, baseball game. Wild pitch, wild pitches. Everybody scoring runs. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. All right, we have to talk a little bit about the Bulls. Brian wants to hit on something Joe Cowley brought up and. You'll never guess who weighed in on an athletic column regarding what the Cincinnati Reds will be doing. He got very perturbed. He's the biggest voice in college football. That's right, college football, not baseball. We'll tackle those two things coming up next. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Can anybody fix the Bulls? Or are they just in a spot where it is unfixable right now, Brian? Well, this is uh, my buddy Joe Colley's answer, the lead to his uh, column in the Sun-Times. The Bulls are an NBA hell, period, paragraph. And uh, next graph, the rest of the league knows it. And if Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Arturis Karnasovas, is honest with himself, he knows it as well. It's not a good place to be. No. And they've been banging the drum on continuity and apparently have doubled down, if not apparently tripling down on continuity, because Lonzo Ball is going to come back sometime in my lifetime and and actually start playing guard for the Bulls again, which... I'm sure if he comes back, it'll be at the same 
yeah. level he was at before yeah. he got hurt. There, there are a lot of people speculating he's not coming back at all, and if so, it will, his contract will be up with the Bulls, and he won't be interested in coming back to the Bulls anyway. Uh, project blow-up, according to Joe, is not an option, according to AK, and again, he's the continuity guy. That That's the executive, thinks he has something that uh, has legs here. But I'm with Joe, and, and Joe throws out a couple possible trade scenarios. You have to do something this offseason to not only reinvigorate the fan base and, and reinvigorate the team, but actually set a different course. And that likely means moving Zach Levine and or DeMar DeRozan. And as Joe points out, Portland, there's been some buzz out of Portland that the Bulls and the Trailblazers could come up with a deal, but it all depends on what they're going to do with Damian Lillard. And uh, if they're going to build around him and try to win something, then maybe the Bulls and, and Trailblazers could actually make a deal with DeRozan or Levine being the centerpiece of it. And you could get a, um, a prospect or the rights to uh, guard Scoot Henderson so you solve your Lonzo Ball problem moving forward. But he also mentions Orlando as a landing spot or trade uh, partner. And we know that they obviously AK got Vucevic, uh, Vuce from... Uh, Good working relationship with the yeah, Magic. Right. And the Magic would be happy to probably re-engage in talks because it and, worked out well for them. And Joe points out that they have a young team, but they don't have a veteran presence. And not only does De, you know DeMar DeRozan in particular have life left in his uh, NBA legs and he can put up triple doubles and double doubles, but he would actually show those young guys what it takes to win. And, and we've seen that here. He tries to bring P. Will along, and you know, not nearly as fast uh, for my taste. That, but but he's trying. He's trying to be the mentor and, and work with the the young guy in the offseason and all that. But it will remain to be seen if there's a big package deal. But so far, I mean, I we're beating up the uh, Jet Hoyer. We're really beating up Rick and Kenny. Whether it's a poll or in, in calls we take here. And AK and, and, and I guess Mark Eversley by extension, I mean, where was the outcry to we're, we're sticking with our plan? What is your plan and what has that really got you? A, a play-in game against Toronto and a quick exit against Miami I, and, and being embarrassed last year by the Bucks because the Bucks are the Bucks and you're the Bulls? I, I, there has to be something that you can do, not just working around the edges. You have to come up with something substantial to let... Bulls fans know that you're serious about trying to become relevant again in the Eastern Conference at the least. I agree, I agree with you completely, Bri. But I'm also, I look at this and I try and be a realist about it. And I look at it from AK's perspective too, right? To have a conversation sometimes, we have to agree on certain things. Otherwise, there's always going to be a disconnect. And if if the people in the, like, do the people in the Bulls front office truly believe that Lonzo Ball could return? Or are they just clinging to a hope and a prayer because they have no other If it's a hope and a prayer, shame on them. And we were told last summer, about this time, or maybe a month into yeah. July, that they wouldn't answer whether he'd be re- available for a camp, training camp, but he was going to be re- ready for the start of the season. And we wouldn't see uh, a minute of Lonzo Ball. So I don't know when it comes to Lonzo Ball, if it's a hope and a prayer, just no credibility and, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like we need to come to an agreement. Like, do they view it like we do? Whereas, listen, that's a sunk cost. And if he ever comes back, that'd be great. But that'd the reality great, but is, don't count on that's it. far from yeah. Whatever that Likely. looks like, you can't. That you can't. That can't be your plan moving forward. That he's going to 
come back at some point this season, 23-24, and, and we'll be good to go whenever that is. And, and Joe suggests that, you know, if, if you packaged, um, you know, put together both DeRozan and maybe Zach, mm-hmm. you could really expand a deal with the Magic. And I don't know. Maybe if, you could get your pick back. That's exactly what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Get your pick back. And and then go ahead and find yourself, and, and you would get a guard in Suggs, as he points out, who would uh, you know cover up defensive flaws if Levine's still staying here, and you would you know you would get some talent in in, in coming back the Chicago way, the Bulls way, and they would get a guy in DeRozan in particular who could lead them to maybe not the promised land, but lead a young talented group of guys into more consistently winning and, and showing what it takes to to win in the NBA. Listen, I'd be all in favor of that. Unfortunately, as we heard AK at the end of the season presser, right, that they snuck in on a Saturday afternoon when we were all worried about or yeah. were we, was it the draft. I'm trying to remember exactly what was going on that caught our attention. I think it was the, the NFL, NFL draft. draft. Yeah. Um, it, it, it seems like their plan is to do everything they can to, to get Vooch back, to sign you know, a long-term deal. Because they're pot committed to that trade that they made with the Orlando Magic, and they're so worried about losing an asset for nothing in that right. scenario that they are going to do, they're going to they're gonna move hell, hell or high water just to try and bring him back. And, and the, the, supposedly the reports were this week that their two sides are talking. Well, okay, I would hope so. Because as you point out, I mean, Vooch, they didn't trade him when his stock was the highest at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and he would be a rental, obviously. But now he wants to know what the plan moving forward is because he wants to get paid, but also how is this going to get better? Just like, you know. Is it? And, and getting, it's, it, well, Vooch, just hang on. Lonzo's coming back. I mean, he, if that's the sales pitch, whether you like Vooch or not, he was playing his best basketball towards the uh, second half of the season. And, you did give up a pick that you would try to get back from Orlando, as you said. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, Vooch wants to get paid, and apparently he has an idea that he'd like to win uh, you know, the best of both worlds. So the NBA draft is Thursday, June 22nd. That obviously will be a big night in helping us determine what exactly the Bulls' plans are, or if it'll be, hey, let's uh, sidle up with Vooch and you know try and cross our fingers and hope Lonzo Ball comes back because if they want to make any significant moves it's probably got to be for a draft pick one thing I did want to share with folks Bri, which amused me this past week Kirk Herbstreet Mr. Ohio as you pointed out to me in the pre-show he got very upset about some reporting done by the athletic uh, Ken Rosenthal and C. Trent Rosencrans they do a great job obviously covering baseball they're covering everything on the athletic they wrote an extensive piece about Ellie De La Cruz, who is the top-hitting prospect in baseball, shortstop, possibly coming up for the Reds because he's basically proven everything that he can. They have a glut of good young infielders, Matt McClain, uh, De La Cruz, but also Jonathan India, who is essentially one of their, their the team leader. Well, Kirk responded to Ken Rosenthal's tweet. He tweeted this. This team hasn't had a leader that pushed his teammates every day since Scott Rowland left in 2012. And we finally have that guy. And you write this article. India's value goes far beyond the numbers. As excited as we all are about the young talent coming up, India needs to be the rock and catalyst for years to come. Put Dela Cruz in the outfield and move on. And one final, he got even more upset at C. Trent Rosenkraz. And to be honest, he, he dropped a BS in the middle of his tweet on C. Trent Rosenkraz. Um, Bri, I haven't seen Kirk Herbstreet this upset about something happening in college football or the NFL. I don't think ever. 
He's more mad about his Reds and reporting about Jonathan India. And he told Ken Rosenthal, uh, lose the bow tie, too. It's not working for me. I, I, God bless him. Uh, he, he, uh, the Reds have I a mean, nice problem to have, the glut and all, but they're still the Reds, and they got to figure out how to get all that talent on the, on the field on a, a regular basis. Thanks, Bri. Thanks to Kendra Smith today. Uh, White Sox baseball coming your way. Pre-game coverage at 1230. I'm Jeff Meller. He's Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000.